And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll see which of the surprising Marlins can help us in fantasy. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, February 25th. I'm Al Melker. I'm here with Michael Beller, and it is just Al Melker and Michael Beller. Uh, so we are discussing the Marlins today. And by the way, uh, Michael, I have to say, totally uncomfortable with referring to myself in the third person there. That I, I don't feel good about that. Uh, it's, but, not, it's always it's always strange. It just always even <laughs> even when you know it's going to be strange, it's somehow like stranger than you thought it was going to be. It was. It is. So uh, I, I will move on from that and on to uh, a team uh, that I'm very excited to talk about, which is the Miami Marlins. And uh, they were very surprising last year. Got into the, the expanded postseason. A lot of exciting players. So uh, let's start with uh, the offensive side of things. And a couple of players that I've I've seen people uh, asking about on Twitter. And I have to say, I don't have good answers uh, about these questions and about these players. So I'm hoping you do. Uh, Garrett Cooper and John Birdie, neither one necessarily has a position locked down. And yet, mm-hmm. I think they're two of the Marlins hitters that people are most interested in. So where do you see Cooper and Birdie having opportunities to possibly play regularly if, in fact, they do have those opportunities? Yeah, I think Birdie is really going to struggle. Um, I-, I think Cooper has shown enough over the last couple of seasons that the team will do what it can to find him at bats. 15 homers in 2019, 6 homers in just 133 plate appearances last year. Hit 281 in 2019, 283 last year, 344 OBP in 2019, 353 last year. I know there's not a straight line position for him with Jesus Aguilar at first and then you know, the corner outfielder spots spoken for mostly by Adam Duvall and Corey Dickerson. So that's where we would get him at bats. DH, I mean, he's one of the guys who is most killed by the NL not having the DH this season. But still, you do that. What You do what he's done over what basically amounts to a full season in 2019 and 2020 combined. And I think they have to find him some plate appearances. Uh, you've got 360 plate appearances uh, projected for him from uh, the Bat X. Steamer's got him for 253. I would be closer to the Bat X and maybe a little bit more optimistic than that, but you know, I'm not going to try to outproject Bat X here. So I think that's a fair enough projection for him, and maybe we're hoping for him to push up toward 400 plate appearances. John Birdie, I, I just don't, he hasn't shown enough over the last couple of seasons to warrant being pushed into a lineup that doesn't really have a spot for him. He can get on base a lot, but that's really all he's shown so far. So I think he's going to have a little bit more trouble getting into the lineup, even if they like his on-base speed combo than Garrett Cooper. 
Well, and further complicating things uh, in the middle infield, which is where Birdie potentially maybe has some opportunities to mm-hmm. play. You have a couple of prospects or at least younger players, uh, Isan Diaz and Jazz Chisholm, uh, who are ostensibly competing for that second base job. Do you think that that log jam makes both of those players maybe worth just passing over in fantasy or is there enough upside there? I mean, there's upside, right? But again, unless we have a totally settled answer by time most of us are drafting in three, four weeks or so, it's going to be hard to really want to lean on one or the other as someone who you think is going to be a regular contributor for you. If you've got some you know, uh, some space on your bench to be able to stash these guys. If you can draft them without them having to be guys who are right off the bat playing a bunch and contributing for you, then I can see it because we know that the upside with both of them, frankly, is is pretty good. It's pretty strong. And I think you could actually construct an argument in which that upside for both of them sort of hurts both of them because I could see the Marlins wanting to, you know, see what they have in both of these guys. I mean, you talk about them being a little bit of a surprising team last year, and that's certainly true in this uh, this rotation. Definitely, if a lot of things go right, could be among the more surprising in the league this year. But we're still talking about a team that was only in the playoffs last year because we had eight playoff teams in both leagues. They, you know, won two out of three from the Cubs. They won both of the playoff games against the Cubs and then were summarily disposed of uh, by the Braves in the next round of the playoffs. So, it just doesn't feel like a team that is going to be surprising us again to the extent that it did last season, winning a playoff series and uh, being one of the last eight teams playing baseball a year ago. And so I think that that works against maybe both of these guys. And I think it definitely works against John Birdie. Another reason why I'm really just not too excited about him. I do think the rotation, though, Al, is, I mean, it, it it's interesting with the guys that they have thrown in there. I mean, Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Eliezer Hernandez, Sixto Sanchez, Trevor Rogers, looking like the guys who are likely going to break uh, spring training as the five. There's a lot to get excited about from a fantasy perspective, and as a Marlins fan, maybe from a real-life perspective, maybe not immediately this season as a quintet, but a couple of years down the line. And it also brings us uh, an interesting question of how all these innings are going to be managed. How have you been approaching these Marlins uh, in your rankings? If you've had any early drafts, things like that. Yeah, well, yeah, I haven't read or heard anything about them going to a six-man rotation, but strangely, they do have the depth. And I say strangely because uh, this is a team where, you know, if you go back just a couple of seasons, we're not really used to talking about them having roster depth, but really, uh, both offensively and pitching wise, they've built some really impressive depth. So they could certainly use that depth to manage the innings. I've not seen anything to that account. So the, the big three of, um, Sandy Alcantara, uh, Sixto Sanchez and Pablo Lopez, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that they're going to be probably in the 150, 160 range, which mm-hmm. is, True, you know, going into 2021 of a lot of starting pitchers. So I'm not really downgrading them because the the point at which they're being drafted, it's not where, you know, you're seeing the Clayton Kershaw's or even, you know, the Dallas Keuchel's, uh, you know, the the pitchers that are likely to, to rack up some innings and actually say Kershaw. But the Dodgers are also looking at managing innings, too. But you, you right. get my point there. Yep, yep. And uh, I, I like the the... Big three pitchers. I really like them all about equally. It's sort of hard to rank them. I would be happy to get any one of them in the middle rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eliezer Hernandez is somebody who I think could really be surprisingly effective. So I'm not sure that his rotation spot is as well cemented as any one of the big three. But 
uh, I would would add him as a fourth pitcher that I'd be interested in even in, in 12 team leagues. So, so I'm with you. I don't know if it's necessarily locked in as you and I sit here talking about the Marlins on February 24th, but wouldn't it take like a really ugly spring for him to not lock down a rotation spot? I think it's his job to lose. So yes, I would agree with that 100%. And I'm ranking him and projecting him as such, making that assumption. How are you thinking about this fifth starter spot for this team? There's Yeah, there's some interesting candidates here. It's nobody that I would necessarily be looking at outside of like NL-only leagues. But again, they've got this depth uh, that's built up of some really good prospects. There's uh, Trevor Rogers, uh, who is uh, at least on uh, roster resource project as the fifth starter. I'm not sure that there, there's reporting necessarily to, to confirm that, but I think he's certainly in that mix along with Braxton Garrett, Nick Niedert, um, maybe Jorge Guzman. So it's going to be an interesting competition. And I think the the deeper we get into spring training, and for those of us who do have some later drafts, this is definitely a position battle to really pay attention to because I think whoever may grab that spot is going to have some deep league value. Yeah, Trevor Rogers is a, a, just a really interesting one to me, and I think one that would also fit in what we've seen from the Marlins in the Derek Jeter era. You know, they took a lot of flack early on for being so willing to tear things down and all the talent that they sent out from this team. It's it's hard to remember that just a few short years ago, this was a team that with Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich and Marcelo Zuna and JT Realmuto, I mean, all these guys on this team at once, but they have had a very big willingness to trust the youth and to let the youth play up maybe a level higher than it was actually ready for and uh, let that uh, be sort of a proving ground for these guys. So I think Trevor Rogers might be able to take that Marlins tendency and use it to his advantage this season. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
Let's take a look into the bullpen here, Al. Uh, Anthony Bass, Yimi Garcia, these guys are certainly the favorites to be closers entering the season, and I think it'll certainly uh, be one of these guys. Uh, Anthony Bass's job to lose? Is that how we enter spring training feeling about this work? That's how I'm looking at it, Michael. Uh, and yeah, ostensibly, uh, Yimmy Garcia is competing with Anthony Bass, mm-hmm. but I think all the signs point to Anthony Bass uh, being appointed the closer by the time that the Marlins break camp and not just because his last name is Bass and the team's name is, is Marlins. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I mean, look, he's, you know, I, I hate going with the prove, proving closer trope, uh, because sometimes the one who's got the experience is not necessarily the reliever who's got the best skill set. And ultimately the skills usually do win out, uh, in terms of how these roles are determined, but Bass has been an effective and proven closer mm-hmm. in the past. Garcia's not really pitched in that role. And he did have a tremendous 2020, you know, short season with the Marlins, but he has had some issues with the home run in the past. And just, I think if you read it uh, between the lines from the things that Don Mattingly has said, it sounds like Bass is the favorite here. And uh, I would be very surprised if he didn't uh, not only win that job out of spring training, but hold it uh, all season long. Yeah, I'm with you there, and that's how I'm treating this closer situation. It might also be one, however, where I look to avoid uh, just because, you know, Bass seems like he's going to have the job, but he's also not a big strikeout guy. This might be one where I am more into a high strikeout non-closer rather than chasing Bass, maybe Garcia. I think you could start to bump those guys up over them just because if, if Bass is going to get into trouble, it is going to be with the fact that he just doesn't have that strikeout profile you like to see from a lockdown guy in the ninth. Yeah, well, compared to the uh, former incumbent closer, Brandon Kinsler, I mean, he's... <laughs> <That's true. laughs> He's our oldest Chapman, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, <laughs> so a little bit more strikeout appeal there. But no, I, I hear you, and I think that that's going to definitely depress Bass's uh, draft position, uh, you know, throughout draft season here. So in a way, you could use that to your advantage. Of course, it's, you know, because it's the Marlins, we need to talk at least somewhat about prospects. Although we've already mentioned a few, but that outfield, I mean, that that's another situation that's very crowded. You've got Monty Harrison, Jesus Sanchez, and JJ Bladé, who all look like they're fairly close to major league. Rest. Yet there's not clearly a path or a spot for them. Uh, how soon do you see them having fantasy impact? Is that you think going to happen in 2021? Again, it's it's going to be something where this uh, this team and their willingness to uh, pull the trigger on these young guys has a lot to say with it. I think Monty Harrison. I think we see a fair amount of Monty Harrison this season. I think uh, the other guys maybe a little bit uh, farther down the line and J.J. Bladé would be the one who I would be the least confident in seeing this year. I think we definitely see a decent amount of Monty Harrison. I think we see some Jesus Sanchez and then Bladé from a fantasy perspective. I think we could see him in 2021, but I think from a making literal impact this season. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think 2022 is maybe more realistic for him. And again, it's going to be a team where, you know, Corey Dickerson, Adam Duvall, these could be guys who are sought after on the trade market come July. And unless the Marlins are in it, you know, I would not think that they would be really trying to hold on to Dickerson, Duvall, maybe even Garrett Cooper 
gets in that mix, or maybe Jesus Aguilar gets in that mix, and Cooper moves in. You know, there's there's there are paths to playing time opening up. I do worry if it might not happen until we get deeper into the season. So in just straight up regular redraft leagues, you might be burning a roster spot if you are trying or if you are holding out hope, especially for Harrison. I think he's the guy who we would hold out hope for earliest. If you're holding out hope for these guys early in the season, I think you might be disappointed. But I do think we see enough uh, ABs for Monty Harrison where we're talking about him as someone who is on our fantasy radar this year. All right. And just as a testament to the Marlins' depth, we haven't even talked about Starling Marte. Uh, and, of course, he's a part of that outfield mix as well. So uh, lots yeah. to talk about here with the Marlins, but that's going to be all for this discussion. So we're going to wrap up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker, and we'll be right back here on Friday. Mm-hmm.